0: Welcome to Many Moons Ago, a podcast by DU History. I'm Oshin, one of this year's second year reps, and today we're joined by Dr. Andrew Snedden, a lecturer in history in Ulster University. Today we are going to discuss witches and witchcraft and beliefs about them in Ireland, which is a topic Dr. Snedden has written about, and perhaps does not get as much attention as witchcraft in other similar European countries. Hello, uh, we have. Dr. Andrew Snedden here today, um, and he's he's written about and done research into Irish witches, so that's what we'll be talking about today.
1: Hello, uh, yeah, I'm Dr. Andrew Snedden. I'm a lecturer in history at Ulster uh, University. I look at the whole gamma of the supernatural in, in Britain and Ireland from the later medieval basically the early modern um, to the modern periods, writing mostly about witchcraft, but also about uh, beneficial magic from fortune telling to uh, divination, uh, right through to to magical healing, um, a dabble in ghosts, (laughs) demonic possession, and other things. Um, Obviously the history of, rather than dabbling in demonic possession.
0: Um. So there's that there's not been a, a lot of well there's there's been a lot of writing on, on on like witches and beliefs and witches in in Europe, but there's not been as much in Ireland specifically and, and I think that like some of that uh, could come from like a lack of evidence. Uh, uh, like uh, at least a little bit do you think that uh wh- why do you think there are evidence problems in ireland and do you think that it, it means it, it, anything for the witches or is it just a coincidence
1: okay well i mean i think there's two parts to that you know there, there are uh, evidential problems i mean but there are evidential problems where wherever you go i mean Access and what the, the native gaelic uh, irish speaking population thought about witches is, is particularly hard and it's mediated usually through um protestant settlers or, or, or english speakers um just because they, they didn't leave records or uh, the, the ones that have the poetry uh, it doesn't contain anything about it you know so it's mediated um and so we, we get a, a picture of what they believe through that and we, but the actual witch trials that happened under the 1586 um, Irish witch trial are among the most um, well documented in the whole of uh, the history of early modern witchcraft uh, in Britain, uh, especially if you look at the Pendle witch trial, the famous one in 1612 um, in Lancaster, that there's only one uh, Pamphlet written about that, you know. Um, it's a very detailed pamphlet, but there's only one pamphlet in on a spartan of other sources. The Island McGee witch trial, 1711. We have a 30 page pamphlet, we've got letters, we've got newspaper reports, we've got eyewitness accounts for the 1660 yo one in Cork uh, involving Florence Newton. We have trial depositions. Now, this is gold mine stuff, you know. So, the idea that the you know there's no evidence is actually has a history itself. And I've written a book for Cambridge University Press, and it'll be out next year, called Representing Magic in Modern Ireland, History, Culture and Belief. And what I argue is that this is actually created in the 19th century. And it's created both by nationalist and unionist writers. And it's the idea that uh, Ireland had no witchcraft belief. And if they did, it came with them out you know, and, and I have argued throughout my career that, no, there was witchcraft. It was a different type, perhaps, in Ireland, but there was witchcraft belief. And yes, the, the trials perhaps came from without, and, and a type of witchcraft that was more demonic and satanic, and it came with uh, Protestant settlers in the 17th century. But nevertheless, the idea that there was no witchcraft, I think, uh, is a 19th century creation. And it almost led to people not wanting to look at it. There's nothing to see here, folks, you know, and especially my research has taken this into the 19th and 20th century. So if we say that there's not much evidence for uh, the history of witchcraft in the early modern period among the Irish speakers and uh, and, um, the Catholic population, well, there certainly is in the 19th and the 20th century. You get it in the Irish folklore collection, you know, the butter witchcraft beliefs, but they're merging more with the kind of frightening witchcraft, you know, of Protestant settlers. And you get it throughout the 19th century because there's no witchcraft uh, act after 1821, right? So between 1586 and 1821, it's a crime to be a witch, you know, to, uh, to harm using magical means, as defined by the the, the, the trial. And that's taken away in 1821. But for the next hundred years, um, all over Ireland and all four provinces, uh, people are accusing each other of witchcraft, uh, of harming them, and they react in a number of ways. They go to uh, magical healers, charmers for cures, or they go to cunning folk who are multifarious magical practitioners who do a lot of things for a fee. A very famous one is Biddy Early. Um, and they also, because they can't prosecute them anymore, which would stop the attack. So what they do is they beat them up, they hit them with um, their fists, they slander them, they hit them with with, um, uh, razors, they hit them with farm implements. It's usually happening in smallholders in the 19th century in rural areas. So it's there in the early modern period. It's there in the the 19th century. Um, So to cut a long story short, is there a problem with the evidence? Yes, I know. And the idea that you can't study Irish witchcraft has a history as a construct.
0: Um, that's very interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned cunning folk in there. Um, yes. I, could you go a bit into to cunning folk and like their that belief in Ireland and like that kind of like the connection that they had with witches?
1: Well, I mean, cunning folk is a historical construction. Uh, some people call them um, uh, service magicians. <clears throat> they have all ser- uh, different names in Irish and in English and um, the um, the early modern period and the modern period. <clears throat> and, and from fairy doctor, to cow doctor, all the way through in it, it usually reflects the gender of the person or the specialism. Now, charmers are a bit different. They're magical healers who usually only do a specific ailment in an animal or a human, or they do the the cure or or provide a charm for um, something that's supernaturally inflicted, whether the fairies or witchcraft. Now, I define cunning folk the way that you find them all over Europe from the, the, um, the later medieval period right through. And I define them as multifarious magical practitioners, right? And no matter what they're called, this is how we define them. We define them by the fact they do more than one thing. So they might find lost or stolen goods. They might find hidden treasure. Don't do that much in Ireland. They might provide herbs for um, illness or um, natural occurring things. So they might do something similar to what a charmer does. They might provide love magic to get people to love you. They might look into the future. They might uh, find lost some goods, as I said. They might uh, fight fairies. They might try to return changeling children, um, which we can talk about. But what they do is they do more than one thing, you know, a range of things usually, maybe specialise in two or three or four, right? And they usually get paid money or goods, you know. So biddy early, right? Now, I, I, there's whether she actually was ever, um, the, the, you know, the, the wise woman uh, of Clare, um, whether she, that's another name for cunning folk. Um, so whether she ever get prosecuted for it uh, in the 19th century um, by disgruntled clients, we don't know, but what she did was she took payment in whiskey because during the 19th century, cunning folk are increasingly being brought before um, the lower courts, so the petty sessions, you know, uh, helped by a, a more embedded police force, and, the, and they're brought before the petty sessions by disgruntled clients. <clears throat> and so, what you get done for is fraud or taking money under false pretences. So that's why Buddy Early get paid in whiskey. She used to let them uh, leave it at the door. So cunning folk usually have an intimate relationship with witchcraft. You know, um, people. In the early modern, you know, people or historians, you know, have argued against the idea that, you know, they're white witches because they're very grey witches, if they're anything, right? Because it's often they're up to their necks and either uh, facilitating a prosecution for witchcraft that might lead to an execution uh, during the early modern witch hunts it cost forty to 50,000 lives, or you know, they the, 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 the e- detect it as well. So they actually say to people who come to them, is that witchcraft? And they, you know, maybe examine the urine or do something else and say, yes, it is witchcraft. Can you find who it is? Yes, I can. I can use sympathetic magic to find the witch. In uh, 1807 in County Antrim, Mary Butters, they used uh, milk pan magic where you heat up uh, a pan of milk with nails in it and it simulates the sympathetic magic simulates the, the the bladder of the witch and it makes her bladder really really sore so she comes to the door and that's how you catch her you see it in witch bottles in England and it's the same thing so they help detect witches they help pinpoint it they help fight it at a distance as well you know so they can help you counter it they they give you uh, protective magic apotropic magic as well uh, to fight witches. So every part of the process in the early modern period, and even in the, um, the 19th century, in Ireland, you know, they're involved. They're intimately related. They do a, lot, a number of things, but they fight fairies and the fight witches, especially fairies in, in, in Roman Catholic, Irish-speaking places, or where it was spoken.
0: Um, actually, uh, on the topic of fairies, ha- ha- did uh, Gaelic-Irish uh, beliefs about fairies I- impact um, later beliefs about witches, or were they separate?
1: Well, there's are the, the, the sometimes intimate related, you know, and, and, and the idea that uh, it's only Catholics believe in fairies, is um, Jodie Shevlin, uh, one of my PhD researchers who, who's now graduated, and, uh, and I think Thomas Waters and Simon Young, all looked at this and, you know, and I know straight away, there was a few in Protestant areas. So almost, you know, in the early modern period, you wouldn't maybe have got this belief in fairies, but, you know, there's a cross-fertilisation of cultures. And so you get a few um, people, um, Protestants murdering, usually kids, I mean, because what they're trying to do is get the fairy the fairies to return the healthy child back to them and so they, they can feed it um noxious substances or they can treat it to fire and this will return it now you've heard of you know uh, maybe bridget cleary and Tipperary in 1896 um now that is not typical you know typical is as, as infants or small children you know and and there's Trials for that through the 19th century. Now, that's again of extreme end, and, and that might not be related to witchcraft, but Biddy Cleary, uh, Biddy Cleary sorry, <laughs> Bridget Cleary was called a witch Um, in the newspapers, and it wasn't witchcraft, but the fact that she was burnt made the, the journalists think, oh, it's more exciting, right? So, there's a link there with the changeling, but there's an, also another link because one of the features of the, the the native Gaelic Irish witches is the fact that they steal uh, the productiveness of butter uh, from milk. So basically, uh, sorry, the productiveness uh, from milk and so that it can't be churned and made into butter. So they steal the profit and they transfer it to their own cows. So they can have loads of butter from one cow and you've got 55 cows and you don't, you know, and it's a big thing and people, you know, are, are assaulting each other over this, even shooting each other uh, in the nineteenth century over this, and so that is one of the other ones. And transmogrifying, changing, shapeshifting any a hair to steal it straight from the cow—that's another belief you don't see it as much in the nineteenth century, but it's there. But fairies can also do this. Fairies can also magically steal butter, the productiveness, and they can also magically steal milk. So there's going to crossover as well. And, People have argued, why didn't that kind of uh, the, the witch figure who's worshipping Satan, who kills everything and everybody in the early modern period, and that's the one who's put to death throughout Europe, rather than this kind of butter-stealing witch? Why did that not come in to Ireland during the later medieval and early modern period? And one of the arguments Ronald Hutton put forward was the, the idea where they already had fairies who were doing, you know, the things that witches are already Um blame for, but I think another reason is just the, the, the language barrier that a lot of the demonological ideas weren't coming through in, in, in literature and pamphlets and maybe from the clergy as well. So I think dissemination there is is key as well. So just to recap then, fairies and witchcraft, yeah, and the butter-stealing witches, they're, they're interrelated and they can be related in the kind of uh, the popular press through like
0: changeling crime as well. Uh you, you were talking there a bit about uh, the like the barrier in like uh the kind of the demon like Satan worshipping witch not really crossing over into Gaelic Irish, but, but how much did the the idea of that butter stealing witch did 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 any of that cross over into the kind of like protestant settler population was there like a crossover of ideas there or were they mostly separate
1: yeah i mean so wherever you go i mean if you look at poland in the early modern period what they have they have butter steel and witches and they have them in iceland as well and other scandinavian countries you know but in poland they, they're not actually prosecuted right because they're not much of a threat until they start becoming a wee bit more demonic you know and i and, know and you know you kind of argued something different but when they become more demonic they're more of a threat right and um and what you get in the 19th century is a kind of the gaelic butter stealing which becoming more of a threat and uh catholic culture because it, it almost imbibes some of this protestant so the witches are not just like stealing milk and butter at times of ritual year but can also kill and harm the livestock and maybe even humans and in the protestant culture You know, they are increasingly stealing milk and butter by the late 18th century. You start seeing it in the the church courts. Uh, Usually when they're prosecuting, you know, um, the church courts run by the Presbyterian Church in Ulster. uh, They are uh, prosecuting cunning folk who are fighting butter witches. But you get a feeling from there that, you know, by that point, Protestants are believing in a kind of very Catholic ideas. Now, as far as I can see, they weren't a century before, you know. It's perfectly, you know, capable. You can have two ideas. You can have the demonic witch and the buttons which you get that in Wales, and I said in Poland, but it doesn't really happen until the, the later eighteenth century in um in Ireland and Ulster mainly.
0: Uh thank you. Did um so so there's kind of this thing that's like um and i'm not sure this 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 might this probably isn't entirely accurate but there, there's always this idea that you see in the early modern period that that kind of like the the ruling elites focused very much on witches belief in satan but the common people focused more on like the practical bad magic but um in i i that idea I, I don't think is entirely true elsewhere either but but was that did kind of the catholic gaelic elites believe anything different than um than the gaelic kind of common people or or was this butter stealing which common throughout social class
1: well, I mean, as far as we know, I mean, the, the, the Catholic clerical elites especially um, were influenced by the more demonological ideas, you know, the idea that a, a witch harms, but they, they, they're almost harming as part of a cosmic war, you know, towards the end of days between good and light um, Christianity and the world of Satan, they're, they're, they're almost inhabiting another world and everything is directed against that, you know, um, and even their magic's part of that, you know, and as you said, and fairly correctly, is we're, you know, moving away from these kind of, because we're having cultural history anyway. I mean, the idea of elite and popular history, you know, there's more than one popular culture, there's popular cultures. and and obviously it's cut across by, you know, region and gender and things like that, and and, and elites are are, are the same, and there is a cross-fertilisation as well. I mean, latest research in England would say that actually during the 17th century, popular belief becomes more demonic. You know, James Sharp first um, argued this, and even more vehemently by Charlotte Rose Miller um, in in a recent book, so there is this idea that becomes more demonic, but definitely Catholic elites and an island are more likely to see witches in this kind of wider kind of religious context. And the, the so so um, you know the, there's a couple of in my book in twenty fifteen. There's there's a few of the examples of um, Catholic elites accusing other people of. Pretty much, you know, standard European witchcraft, you know, harming by magical means, but via, you know, the devil's power. But then you you, you come to Aileen McGee's witch trial, and you come to even um, the Yule trial, and and they basically specifically mention things that are demonic, you know. So there, there's the witch's familiar, which is basically a personal demon given by the devil, that's there, you know, and whether it's imposed from above, right, on a popular belief, it's hard to tell, but it's there. <clears throat> and it's there in the Old Trial, and it's also there, you know, through the demonic possession. The the, the symptoms of bewitchment are intimately related to demonic possession, you know, the, the demons' possession, you know, so there's a demonic element there. And, and again, in 1711, is the same. And there's one in 1698 in Amsterdam as well. Arguably, this is coming via the British Calvinist network from Scotland. You know, there's a spate of um, witch trials involving demonic possession from 1896 onwards. Eh, sorry, 1696 onwards uh, and, and Ireland, 1698, 1711. But even before then, the kind of England uh, has um, demonic possession cases and um, that are actually witchcraft trials as well in the late 16th and early 17th century and perhaps Yo and Cork is a manifestation of this so the there is i think there is a difference but there's also you know the cultures talk to each other
0: what were the different churches attitudes about witches and did they differ and did they differ kind of like over time and location
1: um well i mean it, it depends where you look i suppose i mean if you're looking closer to home um the church courts the the apparatus where by moral uh, health <laughs> of of congregations for the church of england for example in england they're stopping looking at witch trials in in the in the 1640s they're stopping arbitrating you know and uh, and it's left, you know, mainly to the secular courts. Whereas in Scotland, there was always a kind of, after the Reformation, and this is when, you know, the Witchcraft Act is brought into Scotland, after the Reformation, Scottish um, ministers and elders are the ones who actually gather the, the evidence, especially after 1591, gather the evidence to get, to go a trial, you know, so you've got almost Presbyterian ministers acting as de facto witch hunters in a sense and, and, and gathering, helping to gather evidence. And so they can be very involved in the process. Now, this, as they back away, you know, as the elites again are backing away from actively... Prosecuting. I mean, in Scotland, there's still trials going on, but the, the, there is a backing away from, you know, um, actively encouraging witchcraft accusation um, in the later 17th century, although the church courts in Scotland are still arbitrating them up to the mid 18th century. But I think that needs to look at because the records are much better than they are in Ireland, but I think that would warrant more um, research in the future just to see when that stops. So there is a kind of, <clears throat> we're, not, we're not stopping believing in witches in Scotland, you know, until the mid-18th, you know, early to mid-18th century, but we're not going to um, help prosecute them. And in England, it's the same thing, but probably earlier. And in Ireland, as far as we go, um, the records were destroyed in 1822 you know, for Church of Ireland, you know, because that's where the um in the four courts in Dublin, it's where um Church of Ireland records. Now we, we do have one or two consistory court books, so church court books, and they seem to be handling them up to you know the, the L eighteenth century, arbitrating them. So I actually stopping them going any further by you know, making the accuser and the accused make up rather than go to court with. It. And exactly the same thing. And we've got more evidence of that as happening in the Presbyterian church. So this idea, even from the late 17th century, so this idea that, oh, I, I driven by the clergy from above isn't actually true in Ireland. And in fact, they're probably stopping accusations going to court in, in Protestant areas, the 12% of the population. Um, it's really hard to tell. What they're saying about witchcraft. I mean, definitely the Roman Catholic Church is, you know, even before the, the, the evolution that leads to the devotional revolution in the 19th century, even, even before then, they're criticizing popular magic. And they're not saying much about witchcraft, but what we do know, I, I would suggest it's probably along the lines that, that we already discussed. So yeah. They do, they, they do change from, you know, um, actively, you know, in certain places actively uh, backing them, you know, and, and not backing them. But even in certain, you know, the, the idea that maybe the Inquisition uh, hunted down witches isn't entirely true. Like, if you look at somewhere in Spain, they're very, they actually, you know, treat witchcraft quite leniently. I, I, and even, you know, uh, Pop more magic as well. So the idea that it was almost a, a top-down clerical hunting out, basically, you know, troublesome women is an oversimplification. Although in some places, it is the clerical elite, like in Trier, for example, you know, it is in, in the late 16th century, it is the clerical elite who are driving, you know, but they're acting just as witch hunters, you know.
0: Um, thank you um there's kind of this uh this idea I, I see a lot that there was uh much fewer witch hunts uh, well not witch hunts which prosecutions in ireland what um how how true is that and and why is like why what were there so few and and
1: yeah, I mean, nearly ninety percent of the population are not making formal accusations of witchcraft, as far as we know, right? The records might have gone; they might have been. Uh, you know, I've argued, you know, that, and I think that, as I said, that the kind of language barrier, maybe you know, but the and everything else, uh, and even uh, Lapointe's argument could be true as well. There were reluctant to use, um, they were reluctant to use um, colonial courts, you know, to prosecute witches. So they might believe in witches, but they're not prosecuting them. But I think really important, something that Ronald Hutton argued as well, and I think he's moved away from that a wee bit, but witches just weren't as threatening. They operated, you know, um, at certain times of the ritual year, like May Eve and May Day, and they attack produce now they become more threatening And in fact, the courts are dealing with more witchcraft in the 19th century than they never did in the, the, the early modern period, as far as records can tell us. Um, and even among the 12% who are more, they're bringing with them. they're coming from Scotland, you know, um, in the later 17th century and increasing numbers. And, you know, and almost a wave at some point, you know, um, in, in the 1690s. To set on an Ulster, and they're bringing their, their witchcraft belief with them. But as we said, by that point, the judiciary, the, the justice justices of the peace, who and the constables and people who administrate law on a local level, it's especially after sixteen hundred when you're getting the imposition of the English-sized court system into Ireland. Well, they're just um, they're not interested in the same level. And it's, it's happening in Scotland and to a certain extent, but definitely in England, where they're not disbelieving in witchcraft, but they're reluctant to try people on the proofs that's brought before them by lower, the, the lower others, basically. So like, what comes before, there's the just the peace. They don't do anything about it um, or, or, or they fob it off. But I think as well that... that the records are only showing a tip of the iceberg. I think there's a negotiation at a local level between, the, you know, especially the Protestant churches and locals. And and, and they're not actively encouraging it either, you know. So there's belief. There's a certain amount of fear in Protestant communities, but they're just not getting to court, you know. Um, and they're only a small proportion of the the, the population. So that's what I would say it's court procedure. It's belief and it's also, you know, um, wider uh, circumstances. Now, the ones that get there are demonic possession cases and this is the same in in England as well because what you've got is a star witness whose body is almost a physical piece of evidence of bewitchment. So you've got a central character, um, Mary Longden in 1661 or, you know, um, Mary Dunbar. And um, seventeen eleven, uh, and there's there's a few others, and they're carrying it all the way through. So they're, they're able, to, you know, argue against and convince these justices of the peace and the local clergy to go against what they're already, you know, doing. So I think that that's the you know the easiest answer. Again, it's, it's a hard one to answer. <laughs>
0: Do you think there could have been like um, a fear in Protestant settler courts that having lots of um, witch executions would lead to a division in the Protestant settler c- communities and make them kind of much more unstable?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there could be, you know, I mean, it's hard to discern. Individual justice of peace and the reasons for doing some because they were so scattered, you know. I mean, they came from the, the, you know, the landed gentry. Some of them were good, some of them were bad, some of them were lazy, some of them were really engaged, some of them were politically corrupt, some of them weren't. So it's hard, you know. Um, but I definitely think you've got a point. You never even in the, in England, right? And it because you've got essentially the English court system the prosecution um rate in england is low and the conviction rate is always low because it's quite hard to get somebody done anyway and there was always a kind of judicial caution there and i think it just it got worse you know um so i i think people knew you know um definitely the unsettling nature and especially you know during times of crisis how much of this could upset the apple cart in, in 1712 in Hertfordshire, in the trial of Jane Wenham, when uh, they're in the middle of ending the War of Spanish Succession, uh, rents are going up, there's people protesting the war, Whig and Tories are at each other's throat. The Whigs are definitely do not want to encourage mob violence. This is just before 1715, just before the, the Riot Act is out, passed to stop combinations like this. And... Yeah, they know that the witchcraft can whip up populations, you know. I can't find much evidence for this in Ireland, but, you know, it could be.
0: How did the belief in witchcraft in Ireland decline?
1: It never declined. It changed shape. Um, I think it receded in, you know, uh, folklore and oral tradition, but you've still got, you know... um, in Dungannon in 1926, there is a, you know, a prosecution about uh, butter witchcraft in County Tyrone. And there's, you know, I, I would say that, 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 that there's still residual belief. Um, it may have diminished, you know, a, as a 20th century, you know, decreased, but witchcraft is still there in the 19th century. So so this idea, right, that, that modernity is disenchanted, that modernity is secular, it's scientific it gets rid of the spiritual, it gets rid of the supernatural, you know, this way, you know, Max whatever, this Weberian idea of disenchantment is, um, what's the word? Nonsense. <laughs> it is, you know, um, modernity isn't just Yates kicking about, you know, uh, practicing magic, or going to, you know, uh, seances. Magic is everywhere in modernity and it's in every part of society and it's in different forms. It could be the high ceremonial magic in the 20th century, you know, uh, what you start getting in, in England and is modern pagan witchcraft starting. Um, and that comes the island in the late 20th century, in the 20th century, and um, Jenny Butler's work has shown this. So magic and witchcraft changes shape. It doesn't diminish and it doesn't, you know, um, it's not disenchanted. And again, this is a creation of 18th and 19th century newspaper men, uh, periodical writers, just like they're saying that there's no witchcraft. What they're saying is, oh, uh, the weird thing is they're writing about, you know, prosecutions in the papers, right? About people arguing and and doing each other for witchcraft, right? (laughs) Or doing them for theft or burglary or assault, but there's witchcraft under it. At the same time, they're also arguing, oh, there's no witchcraft here. There's never been any witchcraft. It's a thing of the past. It is. The Enlightenment killed it off, uh, and it was a product of lower class ignorance and religious bigotry. And we got over that because we enlightened. And that starts off in the later 18th century in the kind of Protestant um, rhetoric, but it spreads to everybody by the 19th century. And that has influenced us as well. And it's influenced us, us a lot to think about things as disenchanted or the things that modern life, you know, is inimical. Inimical. I can't say the word. <laughs> modern life doesn't like magic. Well, actually, it can you incorporate magic. And, in, you know, living in a town and you're still using charmers, living in a city in Belfast, you're still using a charmer in the 20th century. Um it learning structure to people's lives uh, allows people uh, have a sense of well-being. Uh, allows people to negotiate harsh lives. So fortune telling is something that I, I, I study as well, and going to write some book on it at some point. And um, what you get, in uh, you know, an island and the wider world, as far as we know during COVID, is a rise in use of fortune tellers. And you'll see this at, uh, specifically at points in a crisis in people's lives or wider crisis that when you have nothing else or, you know, you've got something there and other avenues have been exhausted or even you're using it along with other avenues like medicine or organised religion, magic is still there and it's still resorted to, you know, and because fortune telling, you know, is magic and, you know, and It's a manipulation of the corporal world finding occult knowledge, in this case, tell the future.
0: Thank you. Um, uh, And now, just to finish it off, was the Irish experience with witches, what was it really? exceptional because or how, like how much of that idea is a myth that that it was very that that it was very different about witches in ireland or is it kind of different all over europe
1: well i mean ronald hutton again has uh, has looked at this right and uh how you there's no witch trials right there's very few witch trials, but there's witchcraft everywhere he had five markers for a global witch whether it's prehistoric times, right through it, right? And, you know, the, the harm, they sometimes the higher power, they use uh, occult means. There's five markers, and wherever you look in the early modern period, and modern period, there is a mark, those markers fit onto witchcraft beliefs as far as we can say. So, you know, the idea that it was different. Well, no, not in a sense, because they had witchcraft belief. You know, may might have. Been different and different people, and it definitely was dynamic, it changed over time, which is like everywhere else. And you have countless, whatever you're looking at, whatever society, there'll be notions of people who harm using magical means, you know, and with those uh, caveats, witches, right? And whatever you look you, you'll have them, and you will have them in societies where people do not prosecute them so or, or, or persecute them. And then you've got societies where They're gung-ho and, you know, they do either through state means, like in the early modern period, or through informal means in the 19th century. So you have um, a situation in Ireland where, yeah, it could be mapped in different places. In the early modern period, you've got certain people who who prosecute them and believe in witches, and you've got other ones who have a low sense of threat, but still believe in them and don't prosecute them. And then in the 19th century... They're trying to, you know, prosecute them, but through other means because there's no witchcraft trial, uh, witchcraft act, you know. So it changes, but it's um, it's not exceptional.
0: Thank you. Um, this has been this has been a very interesting talk. Yeah, I've really enjoyed learning about like witches in Ireland because. Yeah, it it interests me. Tough, <laughs>
1: well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's um, it's a topic in, in, in magic itself. is a topic that, you know, I think uh, it, you know still have some legs in it. But the wider magical culture of Ireland certainly does.
0: Thank you. That was Dr. Andrew Sneddon, and I hope you enjoyed this episode on witchcraft belief in Ireland.